everybody. Uh, thank you. Uh, my name's Christian. I'm the pastor here at City Light. If it's your first time here, welcome, or if it's been a while, we're happy to see you back here again. Um, we are just kicking off a new series. We started it last week. It's called Go. Very difficult title. It took me hours to come up with that, but I hope you like it. And so we're, ta- we're studying the book of Acts together as a church. And so we're handing out um, reading plans. Um, so we're going to have them at the door on your way out. And on your way out, if you haven't gotten one, make sure you have one. So the reading plan will just tell you what, te- what chapters we'll be teaching from the next week, okay? So you were supposed to, if you wanted to do it, read chapters two to five in Acts leading into today. So we're doing this as a church. It's a fun kind of thing. We've never done it before. I, I hope it's uh, helpful for you guys. So we're going to be talking our second week here. And um, if you're not familiar with the Bible and you're like, what is this Acts thing you speak of? All right. So uh, we, half the Bible or, you know, the second kind of portion of the Bible is called the New Testament. It's what happened after Jesus. And it starts with four um, accounts of his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then the fifth book is Acts, which is really an account of the early church. So that's what we're going to be reading through and seeing how it applies to our lives. So I... Uh, I don't know if anybody else does this, but I drive by an Amish farm on a regular basis. Not just, not like for fun. It's just like on a route that I take. So there's a number of them around near where I live and I drive by an Amish farm. And I don't know if you've ever seen um, the Amish using these before. Um, I have a lot of respect for them that they would use this. And I also feel really badly for them. But this is, this is, you know, what they cut their lawns with. And it's not like they have small lawns. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, so this is the, I, I've never used one, but I think it's generated by you pushing it and it spins and it, you know, cuts the grass. It looks slightly better than using scissors to me. Um, and so this is self-powered lawn mowing. And what's interesting to me is the, the dichotomy that this is actually being used while this still exists. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't have one that nice. I've always wanted to have one with the two handles. I don't know why. I think the idea of being able to turn like that is really intriguing, but I've never, I've never invested in that. I still have the steering wheel. But these two things exist, and I want to use this as a quick analogy for our faith because today we're talking about Acts 2 to 5, and the, the big thing that happens in Acts 2 is that the Holy Spirit comes upon the early church. And we're going we're gonna to talk about all those words and, and understand, hopefully, exactly what that means. But basically, there is this power encounter. Jesus sends his spirit and something supernatural and miraculous happens that changes the course of history for the whole world, not just the church, from that moment on. And today, as Christians, are we, the big question for today is are we living with a self-powered faith or with a spirit-empowered faith? And this is the analogy I want you to think of. Because even though the Holy Spirit is available to all Christians today like like he was to the early church, some of us in Christianity across the world are doing things on our own, doing things in our own strength. We're not leaning on the Holy Spirit. We're not relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this is available to us, but our faith is like this. And consequentially, we're like, man, this sucks, (laughs) right? Like following Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit is way harder than following Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit. So keep this picture in your mind. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask this question today. Is our faith self-powered or spirit-empowered? I want you to just think about that for yourself 
and we're going to go through, at the beginning of this teaching, I'm going to read a portion of Acts to get us in, just, and then, that, you know, it's just going to be a little bit of reading. So if you have a Bible, you, you want to read it yourself, you can open it up to Acts chapter 1. This is the beginning. We read this last week, but it's important because it starts here, okay? So Acts chapter 1 says this, on one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave him this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Last week, our message was about the second half of the verse. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The, the call to go, that that's really the linchpin of Christianity, that it's not just about a moral code, it's not just about religious experience, that there's something about the movement of the gospel out into the world, out into our neighborhoods and our families and our cities and states and nations and countries, out into the whole world, that there is a motive behind the kingdom of God that is spreading to reach all people of all nations and all languages with the good news that Jesus came and saved us from our sin. Yeah. But he said very specifically, don't start without the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, don't do this. He said, wait, because they could have started immediately, right? He said, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come, because you'll be baptized. You've already been baptized with water, so you've already received the salvation of Jesus Christ, but there's something else coming, now, there's a whole lot, like, our church is fascinating because we have people from all sorts of backgrounds sitting in this room. And I love that about City Light. That's part of our vision. We have people in this room who may be still contemplating whether they want to be a follower of Jesus. We have people from Catholic background. We have people from, you know, uh, Presbyterian background, Baptist background. We have people from charismatic background. And you all hear this verse in the context from which you've been taught in your past. And so we're, we're on this specific topic. I think that we're like a scatter plot, okay? So I'm gonna try to bring some unity around what we mean by these words in the vineyard and what we mean by them in city light. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's something that we need in order to live out the gospel in our lives beyond just good theology or believing in Jesus. There's something more. He said, you believe in Jesus. You've been saved. Good. Don't start yet until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so they wait. And Acts 2 happens. The day of Pentecost came. We'll talk about what that is in a second. They were all together in one place. So this is the big, big chunk I'm going to read. If you don't, don't be, I don't know. I always feel guilty when I'm going to read a bunch. And I guess I shouldn't, should I? So I just shouldn't say anything. I should just read it. So ignore all the things I just said. Here we go. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus told them to wait for. And they began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit enabled them. And they were staying, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Just pause real quick. Pentecost was a Jewish festival that would have brought thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews together in Jerusalem. So they were there to celebrate this festival 
And then that's when God chose to pour out his spirit on this little band of, you know, just over a hundred followers of Jesus in this room who had stayed together praying since Jesus had ascended into heaven, praying for the Holy Spirit. And then he shows up. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together. So interesting. Did they hear the wind or did they hear them speaking in different languages? Not really sure. A crowd came together because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all Oh, wait, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Now, I skipped over a couple verses here, but he lists out all these different languages that they're speaking. And see, there were Jews had been spread out. It's called the diaspora. They had spread out to all these different areas across the world. And so they had, had come back together and they spoke in different languages and they were hearing these languages spoken from this one group of people, Right? Just like if we had 10 of us up here who, who all only speak English and then the Holy Spirit came upon us and suddenly you had Spanish and you had German and you had down the line and everybody who was hearing it in their own language. They're like, what is happening? And Peter stood up to explain it. So Peter stood up, raised his voice and said to the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. Some of them were saying, whoa, they must be drunk, which I don't know why they think because you're drunk, you can speak in a different language. That's kind of a weird correlation. But um, they're not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, which makes me question some of the disciples' character because they see saying if it was later, maybe they would be. I don't know. All right. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so Peter starts the first preaching, the first teaching of the new church, the New Testament church since Jesus died, rose again, ascended into heaven. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit. They waited, they prayed, they waited, they prayed. Holy Spirit comes, boom. And the first thing they do is start to preach salvation in Jesus Christ alone. He said, guys, this is what you have been waiting for. So the Jews would have known the Old Testament, they would have had most of it memorized, and they would have known prophecies specifically about the coming of the Messiah, the Savior, the Anointed One. He says, this is what you've been waiting for. The prophet Joel said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So he's saying, this is what has just happened, okay? So let's just do a little bit of background on this, and then we're going to apply it to our lives. But it's worth doing a little bit of background, because there's a lot going on in this passage. So what is Pentecost? This is this festival that the Jews would celebrate, and it was given by the Lord as a festival, commanded that they were to celebrate. It was 50 days after Passover, and what it was supposed to do was Bring the first bit of your harvest, not, not the 10%, but bring the first thing, the first sheath of your wheat or whatever, the first bit of your harvest, come and give it to the Lord. And it was this act of thanking God for what he has given you and praying for a blessing on the rest of the harvest. So can you see the correlation? why this is starting now. This is the first fruits of the church. After Peter finishes preaching near the end of Acts 2, 3,000 people get saved in that first day as a church. Pretty good, right? 3,000 people are added to their numbers and then they start spreading out and they do what he commanded them to do. They spread the word in Jerusalem, then they go to Judea and Samaria, then they go to the ends of the earth. But Pentecost is significant because this is the first fruits of the harvest of people coming to Jesus. Remember, Jesus would talk about that. He would say that when you look out 
at the people who don't know me, it's like a harvest. And we need to pray for workers of the harvest. So he often talked about souls as a harvest that needed to be brought into his home, right, into his barn. The people needed to be brought in. The second thing is they would have understood this, this is um, correlated very strongly with when Moses went up on the mountain. So some of you know the Old Testament, Moses goes up mountains, get the Ten Commandments. Even if you're not familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard of the Ten Commandments. So Moses is in the wilderness. Link to Pentecost was the remembering of Moses going up the mountain and getting the Ten Commandments and then coming back down. And they would have seen that correlation that Jesus went up to heaven and now the Holy Spirit had come back down. What they would be noticing very clearly is that this was what Jesus was talking about. That this was related to Jesus going up. Now the Holy Spirit was coming down. They would know this is a continuation. And I don't know if that's interesting to you or not. I love the echoes of the Old Testament that we find in the New Testament because it links it all together and it shows God's you know, unified narrative. The whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is a unified narrative of the work of God in humanity. And so we can see these links together of how we see the echoes of the Old Testament and what those were foreshadowing because everything points to Jesus, okay? So here's this, this Holy Spirit comes, they start to preach, people start to get saved. There's a lot going on there. So who is the Holy Spirit? What are we talking about? Because like I said earlier, depending on your background, the Holy Spirit was the Holy Ghost. Some of us were told his name was the Holy Ghost, which makes it super creepy, I think, and kind of scary, right? Some of us were told that the Holy Spirit is an it and not a he, right? We, we, he's not part of the Trinity. It depends where you're from. Some of you, the Holy Spirit was elevated to such a point that you're sometimes wondered if the Holy Spirit was Jesus, right? It's like, well, all we ever talk about is the Holy Spirit. All we ever want to do is experience the Holy Spirit. And so there's a lot of imbalances. And so what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? So the Spirit in the Old Testament was this word, you got to say ruach, and you have to like clear your throat right at the end, okay? And you want to say, I think I can tell you one, two. Come on, let's all say it together. Ready, say it, go. Ruach. No, no one did it. No, literally, oh, you did it. Okay. But it means a couple of things. It can mean wind. It can mean breath. It can mean energy. And we see it. This is what's so interesting. We see it in the first verse of the Bible. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit is in the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And over the waters, over the darkness, was the Spirit of God was hovering. The Ruach of God. The breath, the wind of God. And this theme is continued all through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Jesus, when he's with his disciples at one point, breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Ruach, the breath of God. The Holy Spirit comes right then in Pentecost. And what did it sound like? A wind. The Ruach of God is coming. Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases and you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Why am I telling you that stuff? Well, for one, I think it's important to like be educated Christians and understand what we're talking about, but I also think it speaks to the nature of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not some one that we can control, that we can command God, Holy Spirit, do this, Holy Spirit, do that. The Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit is personal. I think a great definition would be the personal presence of God, but the Holy Spirit's also unpredictable and uncontrollable. The Holy Spirit is moving in and through the believers in Jesus Christ. 
Okay, and this theme just continues. See, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then if you keep reading, the Holy Spirit keeps moving. The wind of the Spirit, the breath of God, the presence of God moves in and through his people in every chapter, basically, right? He comes upon Peter and Peter preaches miraculously. The Holy Spirit speaks to uh, speaks through John and Peter, and they heal this lame man. In Acts 3, the whole, it says the Holy Spirit enabled him to defend the gospel. You see healing and preaching. They, the, the disciples get persecuted. They get, two of them are thrown in jail. They come together and they pray, God, give us boldness to heal and preach. And the Holy Spirit comes again like a wind and shakes the house again. The Holy Spirit is given to more people who aren't Jewish. There's a story of where they pray for some people who have received the salvation of Jesus, but they haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit instructs people. He speaks to them. At one point, Philip's walking on this road, and the Holy Spirit says to Philip, go up to that chariot. And he doesn't tell him why. That's what the Holy Spirit's like. The Holy Spirit's like this wind that we are like sailboats. I don't know, go with me on this. Right? We, we, we want to catch what the Holy Spirit's doing. The Holy Spirit is moving you in one direction. You want to say yes to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving you in another direction. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. I say this a lot, but the Jesuits, they used to talk about living life with one foot in the air because they wanted to be easily blown over by the Holy Spirit. They don't want to be firmly planted in what they want to do with their life. They want to be available. I was at home uh, Lowe's yesterday, and this is kind of combining the two last week's message and this week's message, but I was in home, uh, no, Lowe's. Not that it matters. Don't you hate when people do that with stories? They're like, was it yesterday or three days ago? And then they start telling, oh, no, no, it was three days. Oh, no, no, it was yesterday. You're like, it doesn't matter. Just tell the story. Okay. So I was in Lowe's for sure. All right. And, um, you know, what I try to do is I just try to like open conversation. I just try to like love people. I try not to just be like, I'm in my own circle. Like you never know when God's going to work. And so this lady's behind the counter and I'm making a return and I just like, Hey, I, your bracelets are cool. You know, I try, you got to be careful, like, as a guy, right, like, with a girl. I've learned I shouldn't say your outfit looks cute or something like that. I've been told some things I say that are creepy. So I, I've tried to dial it back, okay? Bracelets seem like fair game, right? So, or your outfit looks, you, not, you can't say you look cute. That's worse, right? So women have tried to tell me. I'm not a natural. So I said, hey, your bracelets, are, those are cool or whatever. And, and she's like, oh, thank you. They're there's two of them, it's a matching set. And, and then she proceeded to tell me that like they have um, spiritual power um, and different ones that have different powers to protect you from things. And she wears them on different days. And I was like, oh, it's really cool. I said, do you, do you feel like it works? And she said, oh, it definitely works. I said, oh, it's, that's really cool. And then I left. And I was walking to my car and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm teaching on the Holy Spirit tomorrow. Like, Maybe that was God. I mean, you know, it, like sometimes I'm really dense, you know, like really, 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 like literally a late. All right, now for people who don't know who that weird lady is in the front, that's my wife. Um, she, she's like, like giving me a God opportunity on a silver platter, and I'm like, that's great, thanks for my money, bye. You know, so okay, here's where I, I am kind of an extrovert, so I'm not like whatever. I, I was like. You never know unless you try. Like, there's this thing in soccer. I'm a soccer coach, in case you forgot. And we, we say, like, good things happen when you shoot. Right? 
Sometimes soccer players wait until the perfect moment to shoot, and then they don't ever shoot or score. You're like, look, just shoot. It might not be the perfect moment, but good things tend to happen when you shoot the ball at the goalie, right? At the goal. So not at the goalie. <sighs> anyway, so I was like, well, I have this church card in my wallet because I carry them around for times like this. Maybe I should go back in. <sighs> I don't want to go back in. That's embarrassing. What do people think of me? Well, why do you care what these people think of you? They're never going to see you again. You know, you have that battle. And I was like, okay. So I go back in. I was literally worried about the dude in the car next to my car. And I thought, what's he going to think of me that I walk up to my car and then I don't get in and I leave? Why do we care about that kind of stuff? So I went back in and I was like, hey, I just, it just hit me. And I gave her a card and I said, tomorrow I'm talking about spiritual power at church. That's true. I am. And I said, it might not be exactly what you're talking about, but like, this might be really good for you. I'd love to invite you to church. And she was like, no way. I was like, yes way. You know? And then this wind blew through Lowe's and like everyone got saved. Wouldn't that be awesome? Dude, I'd still be there. Okay, but uh, no, it, it, that's not what happened, but I invited her and she felt loved and invited and welcomed. And um, I can't see most, some of you, but maybe she's here. I don't know, maybe not. But this is still happening. That's the point. We are to be blown by the spirit, right? I'm not a good dancer, so I'm not gonna do that. But like, we're, we're to be listening and, and, and movable, Right? So here's my question. I feel like we hear this and we're like, okay, you will receive power. The Greek word there is dunamis, which means dynamite, right? We translate it dynamite. So it's not like you'll receive a little bit of power. No, it's like you have like power and all of us do. This wasn't just for the disciples. This is ongoing. It's part of who we are as a church. Following Jesus, you receive this dynamite power of God. What do you do with this? And then you see them, what they do with it. Like they're praying for the sick and seeing them healed. They're hearing things they couldn't know and speaking prophetically, what we say, you know, it's what the Bible calls prophetically. What do you do with that? And maybe you've seen abuses, right? Like maybe you've seen like craziness in the name of the Holy Spirit. You know, maybe you've been up too late watching televangelists and you see them like, you know, do the like, Right, and they smack the guy in the head and they fall down. Have you ever seen that? And they, like, you know, he gets his coat off and whips him with the coat. I mean, ridiculous excesses in the name of the Holy Spirit. There's, here's, here's the thing that I love to harp on. Just because someone does it wrong doesn't mean that it's all wrong, right? People are always perverting and messing things up, but it doesn't mean you should throw the baby out with the bathwater. So what do we do with this? If we are supposed to be spirit-empowered Christians, what does that look like today in the 21st century? You know, is your faith, are you just like muscling through life like, okay, here's the things I'm okay with. I will resist sin. I will, I will serve. I will do, I will be, I will read my Bible. And like, it's, you know, but you're not like listening for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You're not praying and expecting God to do miracles. You're not waiting for the Holy Spirit to open up doors of opportunity for you. You're not aware of the Holy Spirit's movement in your life because it's weird. It's hard to understand. That's my question. Is your faith self Powered or spirit empowered. And maybe, just maybe, you've been taught a self powered faith. Maybe you were raised in a church that taught a self powered faith. There are whole sections of Christianity that would teach you that the Holy Spirit does nothing other than help you get saved and convict you of sin. And fine, it, He does that. But I just want to, I wish I want to put it out there. Like, let's read the Bible for what it's worth. Like, this is continued all through the New Testament and all through church history. So what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about the Holy Spirit in your life? 
I read this uh, part of this book called Paul the Spirit and the People of God. Gordon Fee is kind of a renowned New Testament scholar, and he's a friend of the vineyard. And so he writes some really interesting stuff. So he gives like nine keys to how Paul Paul's theology around the Holy Spirit. And I just want to pull out three because I think they're relevant. Number one, he says that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, experiencing the Holy Spirit is a key to Christian experience according to Paul. So if you read Paul's letters and how he talks about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit isn't an add-on. He's not like a hood ornament to your faith. The Holy Spirit is a key, a crucial. In fact, he says the center is always Christ, but the Spirit stands very close to the center, making Christ known and empowering the genuine Christian life. So there's something about the Holy Spirit that isn't like, oh, uh, that's just like secondary. There's something central and key. Number two, there is something experiential. This is why we talk about in the vineyard experiential worship. That when we do worship, we're not just trying to sing through the songs and get them over with. We're not just doing like stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, right? Like what we're doing is hopefully creating an atmosphere where you can experience the Holy Spirit. The presence of God comes here as the Holy Spirit and you, you feel or you sense. I mean, these are like weird words, right? This is like weird to talk about this. Number three, so he says, equally crucial is the dynamic experiential way. Experiential way the Spirit comes. And number three, it, it's about God's dwelling in and among us. The experience, again, of the promised Spirit meant the return of God's personal presence to dwell in and among his people. There's a lot there. But this is a promise made in the Old Testament fulfilled in the coming of the Holy Spirit that they would have recognized. So why do I share those things? All of that to say the Holy Spirit is a key part to our lives as Christians. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to live that out? And, and so some of you are here and you're like, I'm very new to Christianity or I'm, I'm not a Christian yet. And this sounds hooky or, or kooky or weird. I don't know. Are those even words? It sounds strange. You know, it sounds like, uh, it, like okay, you get what I'm saying? But here's the, here's the key. We kind of already believe something really, really. It won't let me say the word crazy. Oh, there we go. We already believe something really crazy. Did you hear it cut out on me both times? We believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead. Like, here's the thing. Christianity is a supernatural religion. It's, it's not something that you can divorce from supernatural phenomena. Without the supernatural, without miracles, we don't really have a faith. Like Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then all of our faith is futile. So what we believe is based first and foremost on something that happened, and it was a miracle. The greatest miracle of all time is that Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin and death, and saving us from our sins. And that supernatural God is who we serve. And if you read the Bible cover to cover, there is supernatural stuff happening over and over and over and over and over again. And the Holy Spirit is the agent by which, most of the time, sometimes angels, but by which a majority of the prophecies and miracles and healings happen in the Bible. So some people have argued, well, that ended with the writing of the Bible. And so where we stand as the vineyard and City Light and me personally is, you know, and there's tons of scholarship towards this, but if you struggle with that, I have books I can recommend that you could read. But we believe that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, in fact, this is a verse from the Bible that I'm quoting, side note, is in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. That you are a temple, another verse from the Bible, 
of the Holy Spirit. And so here we go. We have this. What do we do with it? I want to just give you three practical thoughts. Yeah, we're going to skip that. Okay, here we go. Number one, let us be a people of prayer. So there's an ancient, I say ancient because this is a prayer that started to be prayed regularly as soon as 200 years after Jesus died and rose from the dead. So around 80, 200, the early church started to just pray this prayer, come Holy Spirit. There are two times in the history of the Catholic and Protestant churches where it was actually officially written into the service of church, this come Holy Spirit prayer. And the vineyard picked this up in the 80s as, as a, like a, a key prayer that we pray. And what it means is, it's pretty simple. Come Holy Spirit. If, I, if you ask me to pray for you and we sit down and I put my hand on your shoulder and I pray for you, most of the time I'm gonna, part of what I'm gonna pray is come Holy Spirit. I wanna invite the Holy Spirit to come to minister to you like the Holy Spirit ministered to the disciples, like the Holy Spirit ministered to the lame man, like the Holy Spirit ministered to the woman in the chariot and on and on and on throughout the Bible and throughout church history. We're gonna invite the Holy Spirit. Can we become people of prayer? And we can do this in all times. You're going to work. Come, Holy Spirit, be with me today. Show me open doors for conversation. Come, Holy Spirit, shine through me today. Let me be a beacon of hope and light in my workplace. Come, Holy Spirit, as you start your day, speak to me through the word of God. You get into a hard conversation. Come, Holy Spirit, and you start to look for him. You start to become a person of faith. Faith, the Bible tells us, is believing in what we cannot see, right? I can't see God, I believe in him. Very basic, but it's more than that. It's believing that God is working even in ways you can't physically see. I was recently in a conversation, like this was about a year ago, with, with someone, a young man, and we were having, um, it, it was turning into kind of a debate, right? And, and it was like back and forth and back and forth. And, and I just like felt a shift and, and, and like a lot of times when you feel the Holy Spirit starting to get your attention, it's not going to be like your phone rings or you get a text alert, okay? It's like, it's, it's this other sense. Like we're people of faith. The Bible tells us that we don't live just by sight. We live by faith. We are people of faith. Faith is believing in what we do not see. There's, some, there's another side to reality. Boy, that gets weird, doesn't it? But it's true. Like, we believe in God. We can't see him. He's always working through his Holy Spirit. So I'm talking to this guy, and God loves this guy more than I love this guy. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in this situation. I can't control it. I can't manipulate it. I can just respond to it. And I get a thought from the Lord, a thought from the Holy Spirit, that there's something else going on here. What's presenting here as debate and frustration is there's something else going on. And so I just, I just said it. I just said to the person, hey, I think something else is going on here. This feels like something deeper for you. And it was like, boom, the Holy Spirit. And that's often what happens. You take a step of boldness and the Holy Spirit just comes. And it's just like all the tension and all of the went away. And, and this, this person started to cry a little bit. And they opened their heart. So we were just all up here, which isn't, but what needed to happen was down here. Does that make sense? And he opened his heart and he was like, oh. and he shared, oh man. And it was so much more important than this theological argument. And we gathered around him and we laid hands on him and we prayed, come Holy Spirit. 
come and minister your healing to this part of his life. Come into his heart and touch his heart. We, we do these things up here where we, in, we invite people to be praying during the service. We have people who pray before the service, before you get here. We have leaders who pray. And if they feel the Holy Spirit, give them a thought like this. Someone's coming today who is having a trouble with anxiety. We'll come up at the front sometimes, not every week, and we'll share that. And if you feel like that's you, you go to the side and get prayer. I, I texted our, the leaders of that team and asked for stories. And they sent me stories. But I, I read them and I was like, I can't, I can't share these. Like, I can't share them because they're like personal. But like, I got to tell you, it's, it's like stuff that we couldn't know, that the people who are praying couldn't know. And then it's like someone in the audience, audience, that's terrible, in the, in the, in the church, um, has that thing going on in their life. And so then they go get prayer and the Holy Spirit meets them there. That's not us manipulating things. And, and it's not all stuff like someone here has feet, you know? Oh, you are gifted right? If you have feet, come get prayer. You know, like, personally, I always struggle with the back pain one, because I'm like, let's be honest, anyone over 40 has got back pain every day, right? So, like, we're all like, okay, you know? But if God told you, I mean, why not? But, like, it's been specific stuff. Like, the Holy Spirit works in those ways. Mandy and I have seen the Holy Spirit move in our marriage, move through us as we minister to other people. This one time, we were, we, we put this, I don't know, we're always Getting rid of, I don't know how we have so much furniture. We're always getting rid of furniture. So we put a piece of furniture on the side of our road where we live, and this guy pulls in with a, with a truck to pick it up, and I go out to help him. And, and Manny, I don't know why, maybe we're both outside. We both go, there's a big piece of furniture, and we're going to load it in his truck. And we're talking, and it's just one of those moments where you feel the door open. Like, you know what? It's like, like there's an opportunity. Like there's a deeper conversation if you want it. And that's where this, we become people of boldness because we can go through life and there's like these God opportunities and we're like, meh. But we step into those moments and we're just like, hey, you know, we're, we're Christians. Can we pray for you? And I'll never forget it. The guy, the guy got down on his knees on the side of the road and he was like, oh, I need prayer so badly. And he had like a history and stuff like that. And we just put our hands on him. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Just minister to this man right now. We've never seen him again. We don't know what God, but we don't know his story. We don't know like how he tells that story for the rest of his life. This one day I picked up furniture from this random couple and they, they, were, they were so kind. I was going through this hard time in my life and I was down on my luck and they just prayed for me on their driveway and God met me and I've never been this. I mean, we don't know his story. See, that's the thing. You can't control it. It's not your job, right? The Holy Spirit is at work, and he, we get to just be part of the story. We don't know. I don't know with this lady with the bracelets. I don't know how that's going to go, but I'm just going to keep casting seed out. I'm just going to keep responding. If the Holy Spirit blows, I have my sails up, I'm going to go. I'm going to go serve that person when the Holy Spirit says, oh man, I should make a dinner for that person. One more story. I was, I was having my quiet time recently, and I was praying, and I just, you know, whatever, and I felt worship team, you guys should come up. That wasn't what I felt. That would have been crazy in my house. Kind of nice, though. So I was praying, and I had this thought, text this person. And I thought, okay, what should I text them? And I felt from the Lord, like, specifically, they need to hear this. Okay, I'm not going to tell you what it is. 
And so I wrote this text, you know, like I was praying. I felt like the Lord put you on my heart. I felt like he kind of put this thought that you're going through this and here's a Bible verse and I'm just praying for you today. And they wrote back like, what? How do you know that? How do you know what? This is exactly what I needed to hear. Guys, this is part of who we are. And I want to just tell you, if this sounds crazy to you, that's fine. If this sounds out there to you, that's fine. All I'm, all I'm asking us to do is just to pray this prayer, come Holy Spirit. Just to start praying it in your life and just see what happens. I was going to run a class the next few weeks about this, but to be honest, it's not going to work in the summer. So in the fall, I'm going to run like a short class on how to hear the Holy Spirit, how to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're just going to go a little bit deeper. So if this is like, hmm, getting you interested, right? Plan on being part of that class. If you can't wait, set up a lunch with me. Let's talk, okay? That's what I do, or, or coffee. So this week, we're going to read the next few chapters of Acts, and we're going to come together. And I want to challenge you to start praying, come Holy Spirit, and, and being those people of faith. Like, just, just open up your heart and your spirit to be like, what is the Lord doing? Don't get stuck in the like, go through your life thing, right? Like, let, what is, where, can I start to feel the Holy Spirit? It's a lifelong journey of learning. So you're not going to be like, well, I'm awesome at it. I practiced on Monday, done, right? Like, it's just like, I'm going to just tune to the radio. I'm going to tune that channel to the Holy Spirit and start to live my life like this. Yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm.